This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Walker with pressure coming from the backside. Down Hold he on. goes. The ball is out, and Denver has it. P.J. Locke with the strip sack on. P.J. Walker, by the way, in that game had 13 pass attempts and was sacked four times in relief of Dorian Thompson-Robinson in the Broncos. 29-12 win. Uh, no other NFL game. Broncos seem to be good at this. No other NFL game has ended in a 29-12 score. That is correct. Until in the history uh, of yesterday. The NFL. Joining us now to talk about it is the lead Broncos writer over at My Life Sports, Cody Rourke, and the host of the Good Morning Broncos podcast, as well as the Lockdown Broncos a podcast. You can catch the Good Morning Broncos show on YouTube as well. Cody Rourke, NFL is the handle on social. And Cody, uh, thanks for joining us. But the first thing I want to ask you is, is beginning of this year, we're talking about the tail end of the preseason and the beginning of this year, you had been constant in the idea that the Broncos had enough on defense to actually be have a good defense. And this was in the early going when it looked very much as if they did not. Now they are healthier, and it looks like you were right. What did you see that so many of us missed? Well, you know, I think a lot of it is I I just knew that behind the scenes that the Broncos with Vance Joseph, they were really trying to retain, you know, the Vic Fangio, Giro Evro philosophy in terms of, you know, how the scheme is called and the play calls and things like that. But the reality is it's super hard as a D coordinator to, to go with a different philosophy you've never, ever had before, you know, in terms of how you call games and what you call and the situation in which you call it in. And that was tough for Vance Joseph. And obviously it was tough for the players. And I think some of the injuries they had made it even more difficult to kind of overcome that. So the Broncos, after that Dolphins game, they kind of, it took some time. You know, you didn't see it in Chicago. You didn't see it. You know, he saw a tiny bit against the Jets outside of that Brees Hall big time run that he had. Um, in the second half to open things up, but the the transition from, okay, hey, we're going to go away from the terminology we were using through the first five weeks of the season. We're going to start using, we're going to show some of the same looks. We're just going to call it this, but we're going to call my defense that I've been running historically throughout my career. And you see it with the pressure fronts that Vance Joseph is bringing. Like, that's not what Fangio or Evero ever ran were any of these stunts. No, they weren't big pressure guys. And one of the, uh-huh. pressure Cody, one of the things I thought was interesting is after the, the win over the Chiefs in Denver, and, and we know that Patrick Mahomes was not at his best, but was asked about that on the on the Manning cast, on the Monday night football game after that, and said specifically, yeah, the Broncos are, are running, are getting back to running Vance Joseph's defense. That's a Vance Joseph defense we faced, and, and it causes problems. I, I thought it was interesting to have Mahomes literally call that out specifically. So what are the hallmarks of a Vance Joseph defense when you're making that comparison to Evero and Fangio, and, and obviously that, that defense has worked. So why yeah. would you believe that, that Joseph's iteration of it would work better? Well, I think it's, it plays to the strengths of the players, right? And I think in today's NFL, you have to be able to get after the quarterback. And if you're not doing any scheme designs or stunts that are, you know, forcing offensive linemen to have to communicate and not free, like if it's just, you know, one-on-one or it's just, okay, hey, gap on gap, I mean, it makes it simpler for the offense. And so that's where we've seen, like, the issue, the lack of pressure, the lack of takeaways through the first five weeks. Yeah. And then now that you've had these pressure simulations in there, it's harder. It's harder for a quarterback to just stand back there and have time the way that guys had previously early on in the season. And now you have guys coming off of, you know, slot blitzes. You have different twist stunts. I mean, it is incredible to see the turnaround. And, look, a lot of people are like, okay, hey, is this sustainable? 
I, I, well, it is. I mean, if Denver's generating two, you know, two or more takeaways, they've had four straight games of three plus takeaways. I mean, that's not like luck. That's just hey, they're taking chances, they're being aggressive, and they're capitalizing. And they didn't even get an interception this past week, so they forced three takeaways without doing that. I'd love to see that. And for some reason, teams are trying to get fancy and cute against them, and it's not working. Which you know, hey, I I like that. But um, so much of this is hey, pressure, pressure, disguise coverage. You know, you're going to show man. You're going to have to play man sometimes. You're going to have to go cover zero because pressure is going to try to get home. Denver's got the guys who can cover on the back end of the secondary, but more importantly, they have guys that disguise really, really well. Like PJ Locke's blitz that he had on the sack yesterday didn't show a single indication he was going. He timed it perfectly and blindsided PJ Walker there. I mean, it was Denver's playing really clean football defensively, and I think that's been a huge turnaround for them. We're going to focus on the defense, obviously, during a large part of this conversation. We'll get to the offense a little bit later. But I have noticed in recent games a tendency to play fewer people or play certain guys less. You know what I also notice? That without Frank Clark and without Randy Gregory and, yeah, without Kareem Jackson throughout this winning streak, He's played in, what, one game? And, you know, then he got himself suspended for a second time. Without those guys, all supposedly regulars going into the season, going to play a ton, I think they're better without those three Mm -hmm. guys. And I say that I watched Randy Gregory play for San Francisco on Thanksgiving night, and he was terrific. He doesn't play all the time, but when he's out there, he's effective, and he can't be a cancer in a locker room like that because they'll kick the living you-know-what out of him if he acts like a jerk and complains that he's not playing more and that that kind of stuff. But do you agree with my premise that the Broncos are better without those three guys and really only 11 guys yesterday played more than half the snaps on defense? Simmons, Sertan, and Singleton played every snap. Moreau played 97%, and then you had somewhere between 56 and 81%. McMillan, Zach Allen, Locke, Cooper, Browning, Jewell, and Harris, that's it. Everybody else, including D.J. Jones, well under 50% of the snaps. Those guys are being spotted. The Benitos and the D.J. Jones are being spotted, and I thought after a terrible game against Minnesota, I Benito too. I thought both Benito and Jones were quite good yesterday, even though they weren't playing very much. Yeah, and I I think the idea, I think Denver's got a really good uh, grasp on their substitution. I think it helps the guys are healthy. I was a little worried, you know, going into yesterday's game. We weren't sure if P.J. was going to play or not. We watched him pregame, you know, working out on the field and looked like he was moving well. Looked like he was fine. and you know, during the game, it's like, oh, you never, you could never tell this guy hurt his ankle a right. couple of weeks ago. I and mean, he played. I'm not sure if that's adrenaline, but you know, I'm sure there's some soreness today. But you know, he played really well. But these guys are they're getting contributions from guys that you know are playing. I think probably you know you mentioned the snap counts. I think for them, they're playing pivotal in those re- you know limited or maximized snaps that they get, depending on who we're talking about. But I just think they have a really good rotation, like different personnel packages. Their NASCAR package has Drew Sanders coming in at outside linebacker. All of a sudden, Drew Sanders, from going to you know a handful of snaps, plays almost three out of ten snaps yesterday. Yeah, well, and he's look, out there a lot. A, 
we're, I think we're going to see him at outside linebacker quite a bit, I think, through the rest of the season alongside Nick Benito. I think that's kind of the role that, that's kind of carved out. It was a little bit evidence yesterday, and obviously, you know, you kind of saw that in the week leading up, though we couldn't really say anything about it. Um, but I think it's a good role for him. It, it flashes his versatility. And look, with Josie Jewell and Alex Singleton playing really well, I mean, Drew Sanders doesn't have to be the inside linebacker next year. He can be in the rotation, you know, alongside uh, Browning, inside Cooper. I mean, these guys, they're, they're just getting contributions everywhere. And Mike Purcell's playing solid, a D tackle. I'll I think tell you what, made the- he's playing better than Jones is playing. If you, if you yeah. take a look at the five-game winning streak, he's playing more now, and he's playing better than Jones is playing. Who would have thought that? I didn't think he'd make the team. I don't know about you, but I thought he was a Fangio Evero guy who wouldn't make the team uh, with Vance here and Sean Payton. I didn't think he'd make the team. He's not only made the team, he's making key plays. Yeah, and I think the the lineup change where they've gone, instead of Jonathan Harris, Zach Allen, and D.J. Jones, they've gone Mike Purcell, D.J. Jones, Zach Allen as the starting defensive line, which I think has been great because then you put D.J. Jones at D.N., you put Mike Purcell at tackle, and you put Zach Allen at the other D.N. spot. You have your two inside backers filling, and then obviously you have Barron and Jonathan Cooper. I mean, that's a pretty good front right there. Perfect combination of athleticism and size um, and physicality and finesse. And I, I think that's just worked for them. And, you know, I think another thing for this streak that Denver's been on, they've been healthy. I mean, when was the last time we covered a Broncos team here in week 12 gents where they're healthy, like they're really not missing anybody. All the injuries there. came early. Yeah. I mean, luckily it did during the, the rough stretch here, but um, the fact that they are all healthy right now is a great sign. I think it's a great indication. You know, I think Dan Dalrymple's done a great job coming in as a strength and conditioning coach. And on top of that, I also think that, uh, you know, Bo Lowry's done a really good job with the recovery program that these guys have had. Look, you know, obviously there's guys like Dulcich who are still banged up, but some of these things aren't necessarily, you know, that. Some of it could be genetics. And that's something that Greg Dulcich is actually looking into. They're trying to see, you know, if it's his gait that he has. That's an issue for him, at least all these hamstring injuries. Does he need to lose more weight? Like, it's just all these different factors that they're looking at with specialists. And But the recovery process, talking to Broncos players, they say that Bo Lowry. I mean, the way that they're doing things, is it's different. And they said that it's actually focusing on the issue, and it's also focusing not on just like, okay, hey, I've got a back injury. It's like, okay, could that be related to my ribs? Could that be related to my hip being out of alignment? So they're doing massage therapy. They're doing active release. I mean, they, they got so much going on. It's, they're, they're really taking the health stuff serious. And I also think the one thing they didn't have last year, they, don't, they didn't have nutritionists. And nutrition is such an important part of staying healthy and they've really embraced each player has their own individualized nutrition plan, and they have nutritionists on site. So they have access to all the protein, uh, you know, and intake stuff that they need every single day. So they've got a really good program going on, and uh, health is wealth in the NFL. And, look, we're entering week 13. This is where you start to see some other injuries. I mean, you look at the Baltimore Ravens. You look at other teams around the league right now. They're banged up. Denver's healthy. That's a great sign for them, especially as they're in the playoff hunt right now. Yeah, it is. It is sort of a, a hidden advantage there to have be in such good health, and they are in much better shape than a lot of other teams. We're talking with Cody Rourke of Mile High Sports, and uh, looking to the back end of that defense. Yeah, we can talk about Pat Sertan, and, and you can talk about Justin Simmons, but quite frankly, when the defensive backfield rounded out with PJ Locke, Jaquan McMillan, and Fabian Moreau, that's when this team started to take off. It seems that those trio of guys being added to the starting parts of the defensive backfield were in many ways the catalyst for making things so much easier for the pass rushers. Yeah, I mean, you you got a combination of young guys. Look, I mean, the thing that most people don't realize about P.J. Locke, 
PJ has been on this team since 2019. Mm-hmm. He's been a guy that's been working under Justin Simmons, Kareem Jackson, uh, studying everything that they do, you know, working with these guys in the off season. You know, these guys spend so much time together away from football. Like it's truly a brotherhood inside that defensive back room. And they've welcomed Fabian Moreau into that mix there as well. And, and look, these guys, they're smart. You look at Jaquan McMillan, high football IQ, has a nose for the football. Anywhere the football is, he's, he's nearby. Like, he's there, and he's got great instincts, great tackler. Sertan, we already know. We've already sung his praises quite a bit. He, he's, he's top tier. I mean, he's as good as it gets in the NFL. Justin Simmons, same exact thing there. And So it's just when you've got these guys who are so smart that know where to be, that know how to call the defense, that know how to adjust based on formation – and can play man zone coverage. I mean, it's pretty good. And so it allows it when your coverage is good, it allows, you know, Hey, there's an extra second. The quarterback has to take holding onto the football a little bit. That allows guys like Brown and Cooper, Allen, Purcell, Jones, whoever's blitzing, even the linebackers, it allows them a chance to get home. And we saw that late in that fourth quarter. Um, and that's just a resilient win because I mean, it was kind of dicey going into fourth gents. I mean, the, the Browns had the ball uh, 17 to 12. They were marching downfield. Denver gets a stop and they call Browning for an awful Rough in the passer call, 12 seconds after the play had even happened, they threw the flag. That was really interesting to see. And then all of a sudden, like, the ball don't lie narrative came to football, which you don't see happen that often. And D.J. Jones obviously made a big play in that game. But um, these guys just have a confidence right now, and they believe in each other, and they're riding the high. And it, it's fun to watch. It's exciting to see. And um, yeah, we'll see if they can keep it up because Houston's going to be a really good challenge for them this week, first of three games on the road. I know he won't win it. But how about Garrett Bowles, his offensive player of the week, for his yeah. domination of Miles Garrett yesterday? In a way that no other ball. tackle has dominated Miles Garrett this year. Yeah, I don't know if you guys saw the clip on Twitter. But there was a play where he kind of played ring around the rosy yeah. with Miles Garrett. Took him all the way around the pocket. Yeah. It was great. So, I mean, tons of credit to him because I was curious, like, how is Denver going to game plan against Miles Garrett? I mean, he had 13 sacks in 10 games. Like, we were coming into it saying, hey, this but he guy have one or two pressures. Yeah. yeah. One or two pressures. So, they, they did a really good job. And, I mean, they only they, and they put Adam Troutman to that side, but a lot of times they had Troutman block and release for a route. So, I mean, Garrett, yeah. Garrett yeah. did a good job. So, that's a great sign, especially with the, the guys that they're going to have to play down the stretch here in the season. How much of that, when you look at the offensive line, has to do with uh, the coaching, the improvement there? Or is a lot of it the fact that the Broncos have been one of the very rare teams that's been able to keep their starting yeah. five guys on the field for the vast majority of the season? Oh, my goodness. Well, gents, okay, so week 12 last year, the Broncos' offensive line were on their, was on their seventh different starting lineup of the <laughs> year last year. They've had the same starting lineup since week one. That helps so much. And Zach Streep, I think, has done a terrific job. Look, there were times early on in the season where it wasn't pretty, but this is a new scheme. And so I think we've kind of ridden out that storm a little bit, and Denver all of a sudden is playing really good football. The offensive line is great. I think you can make an argument. Quinn Miners might be the best interior offensive lineman right now in the NFL. He is dominating. Sounds great. And it's fun to see. I mean, Denver's playing really good right now, and they're they're healthy. And that offensive line's got a lot of continuity. And you know, Lloyd Cushenberry deserves all the praise as well for as much as he's gone through through his career. He's finally turned the corner. I think that's big for Denver. Yeah, I I don't think any of us are are crazy about powers or or the penalties that McGlinchey uh, sometimes takes. But I thought McGlinchey was very good yesterday. Uh, um, Double team blocks in combination with minors. That, that, that really, I mean, that's the other side from Miles Garrett. And, and Miles Garrett's not out there to play the run. I mean, he's out there to rush the passer, and the Broncos only threw it uh, 
what, 23, 24 times you count the sacks. I think Wilson was only sacked once. It was 23 times they intended to pass. That is correct. Yesterday. One sack. (laughs) And at one sack, I mean, for a line that isn't known for its pass protecting ability, uh, that was a hell of a And a quarterback that's known for taking sacks. Yeah, and a quarterback who sometimes holds a ball. Although there's a little less of that with Wilson, and I want to ask you about that, um, that Wilson has become uh, a check-down artist Yes, a game manager, but he's as good a game manager at quarterback as there is in the league right now. I, he may not yeah. like the label. Um, a lot of people view that label as um, uh, one you never want to have as a quarterback if you aspire to greatness, but he's as good a game manager the last six weeks as, as we have seen this year in the league. Yeah, no, he's been efficient. 17 touchdowns, zero interceptions in the red zone, and Denver's red zone offense hasn't been great this year. We talked to Sean Payton today. He kind of brought that up. Like, Russ has been good. He's got 34 out of 50 completions for 200-something yards, 17 touchdowns, zero interceptions in the red zone. It's like, hey, that's pretty dang good. But it's like the offense in the red zone hasn't been great this year. So there's much more room for improvement. But I think the one thing we're seeing with Russ is, like, when it comes to throwing the football – He's not putting the ball into harmless windows. He's not taking, like, these reckless shots or chances. He's he's very calculated, which so many people are like, oh, it's a bad thing. He's not throwing for 200 yards. I I don't think, at the end of the day, if Russ is throwing for 150 yards and two touchdowns, I don't think anybody cares. The idea is to put up points and to win games. Now, if he's putting up 105 yards and Denver's losing games by two-plus scores, then it's a different conversation. But the reality is, He's playing clean. He's a reason they're winning games, and that I think is the ultimate reason. That's why because he's not losing them games. Yes, one hundred percent. It is obviously so. a, a fun time to cover. Make sure you pay attention to everything Cody's putting together. We'll have everything over at mylifesports.com, and as we mentioned before, the Lockdown Podcast and the Good Morning Broncos Show. You can catch that on YouTube as well as My Life Sports. Cody Rourke, NFL R O A R K is the social handle and. Make sure you give Cody a follow for all of the latest with the Broncos. As I said, right when he came on, he's been on top of this since the get-go. Uh, you know, Deion Sanders was asking, do you believe? Well, you should ask Cody because Cody did the whole time. Looks like you get to be right. So thanks a lot. Appreciate it, my friend. Cody not covering CU. <laughs> yeah, 23 football you season. Thanks, Cody. Have a, have a good evening. All right, thanks so much. Uh, of course, uh, you know, the Broncos get to keep playing. The college teams, uh, Air Force excluded locally, will not be. But Wyoming. Uh, well, I know ball. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I, got, I, I don't know ball. I, I mean, I'm, I'm disappointed for CSU. They didn't quite make it. Oh, lost heartbreaker. heartbreaker. Watching that late. Yeah. I mean, uh, just, at least they mm. get to overtime. Come on. They've lost. That's two games, right? Yep. Uh, that they lost right at the end on field goals. Yeah, it's, a bit, it's yeah, been it's too uh, bad. rough. But, boy, it does indicate that things are turning around. Maybe we'll touch about on those a little bit uh, as well in a bit. But we want to take a look at the Avalanche who go for their fourth straight win tonight. They will do it against a team that, uh, well, Avalanche fans probably have pretty fond memories of. That would be the team that vanquished in the Stanley Cup just over a season ago, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, the Avs look like the Avs again. Why? We'll talk about it. Tell you next on Miley Sports.
Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Well, before we dig into the hockey, I want to remind you, you know, it is post-Thanksgiving weekend, so it's the giving season, and that means you, well, you can get away with the, the easiest gift of the year. And get a little bit for yourself, too. Refer a friend and earn a $50 bonus this season with Superbook Sports. Superbook's the most trusted name in sports wagering, and you don't want to miss their refer a friend bonus. It's easy. All you need to do is click on the refer a friend link under your profile in the Superbook app, share that promo code with your friends, and you'll get a $50 bonus for everyone who registers using your code. So win money wagering and win money referring this season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Colorado Avalanche have had an interesting season, Sandy. They started <laughs> out absolutely electric, winning their first six games. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, kind of a mess, and they win only two out of seven. Right. Then Jared Bednar balls them out after an abysmal performance against St. Louis in which they coughed up eight goals. They were terrible. Since then, they've won six out of seven. In those seven, by the way, Kale McCarr's been great. Nathan McKinnon's been great. Larry Nachushkin's been great. Seven game scoring streak. Red. Seven goals uh, and four assists in that span. Yeah. And we were talking about it during the break. And the secret thing that he's doing that's helping the team is he's soaking up a ton of minutes. He is. And it really helps without Landeskog to have someone who can play big minutes and big minutes for forwards to play 25, 26 minutes as he has been doing fairly often lately. What a, what a break that gives because you know, he's playing on the top line. So he's getting five on five minutes. He kills penalties and he's on the top power play, you know, right? So he's playing a lot and he, he seems to be in better shape than he was even through the first five or six games. He does seem to be. And he can absorb the minutes, and he's a presence. I, I mean, oh, yeah. you notice the goals and the assists, obviously, but physically he's a presence. And I'm the games I'm watching, a lot of the times I'm watching the announcers from the other teams, and they're like, this guy is, you can't move him. Right. And, and, and he's a physical factor on a team that isn't known for being one of the more physical teams in the league. He is a real presence and you have the luxury of moving him up now to that top line because you've got Druen now playing right wing on the number two line mm-hmm. and Druan is starting it's to come starting he's to get starting there. to come sure is and it, it's just it, it's a, you know the old yogi Berra line at 90 percent of the game is half metal <laughs> and i i think you've got Druan now playing with a confidence that he hasn't had in years three or four Literally. years at least yep johansson scored a beautiful unassisted goal the other night where he was coming in from the left on his oh, backhand. This one, oh. He didn't have an angle. So this guy was supposed to be slow. Right. Uh, by avalanche standards anyway. He sweeps around the net, beats the goaltender. With a backhanded flick. With a oh. backhanded shot right along the ice that beats him by a fraction to the other side Best of the goal net. Of the year, it's one of the prettiest goals you'll ever see. Unassisted. Nope. You know, and, and patient. Patient and provided. he had patience, and you're saying initially, you're saying, "Oh, shoot it, man! Don't!" Then, and, oh. and, and he ends up wrapping around, <laughs> and it's the right play. Yep. 
because you you don't think, but but you forget, he isn't the fastest, but he's got a huge reach, mm-hmm. and that helped him on that wraparound. And it he's really got those did. quick hands that make him so and, good at faceoffs too. You know, Colton started to play better. Uh, Wood is and Tatar, uh, the two New Jersey guys uh, from the Devils who have come over this year. Um, not playing a ton, but they're they're playing hard minutes when they're out there and they're, they're factoring in. Uh, O'Connor, back from injury now, played more than 16 minutes the other night. Another guy who, you know, gets a lot of penalty killing time that, that drive up the minutes. And I thought, you know, the fourth line wasn't great the other night, but it was it was good enough. And and they've been playing well recently, uh, Cogliano in, in particular. Uh, I like Kevin Ranta on that line. Yeah, I do. He's, he's, he can skate. Uh, defensively, uh, they, they've adjusted nicely. I think uh, Jack Johnson with Caleb Jones, I like the combination. Uh, Bednar's got Byron back playing with Manson now in Gerard's oh, I like absence. And yep. I love those guys. I they were too. in the Stanley Cup playoffs two years ago. Mm-hmm. They were outstanding. Uh, and Taves and McCarr playing like Taves and McCarr play. And Taves, another guy who eats up minutes. McCarr averaged over 26 minutes last year. And now he's down around 22, 23 most nights. Uh, McKinnon's under 21 minutes. Uh, a lot of the time, Although, including keep this the game in the mind. other night. When you're talking about so minutes. So they're keeping those guys fresh. They're not now, defensemen obviously play more minutes, as as, as anyone who has hockey will tell sure. you. But uh, Tim Stutzel of Ottawa uh, is 57th in the league in minutes played per game. But he is the top forward in the NHL. Because, of course, the previous 56 guys are all defensemen. Right. Stutzel is averaging 22, point, uh, 22 minutes and 15 seconds on yeah. the ice. The number two forward in the league is Nathan McKinnon at yeah. 21 and 55. And the number three is Miko Rantanen at 21 and 41. Nishushkin so, will be up there soon. Yeah. If he keeps playing and Nishushkin is, is almost averaging 20 at this point. But the thing that's interesting is he now up to 19 points in 20 games. He's almost yeah. becoming a point per game. Yeah. High well, yeah. And soaking up. And you brought it up. You, you, you said so specifically. When he's right, when he's right, He's the closest thing yeah. to Gabriel Landeskog that you're going to get in, in style of play, he's in right. body type, in skating. And, you know, but right what, now he's right. What makes him tick is anybody's guess. Right, I don't he know. Never I talks, don't know. He never talks, uh, even around teammates. You know, he, he's not unpopular, but he's going to. You know, he's he's, he's his loner. own. He's his own. He's dude. his own guy. Yep. And I I think having uh, Prosvetov around is nice. Having Georgiev around is nice. Um, you know, he, he he he's got some fire now in his game, and it there's a relentlessness about it too, and it's it's night in night out. At least it's that way since he was among the many who kind of stopped playing in the third period a few weeks ago against St. Louis, mm-hmm. and since then they lost one game. And I'm sorry, in this context, I'm writing that off as a fluke. It's one of those oh, things that happens three, once every couple of years. Yeah. Uh, well, but no, I'm I'm talking about being three two ahead with forty seconds to go right, in the right. game and not even getting to overtime. You lose four yeah. three. It's a that, it happens thing. once every two years. It's it's a goofy thing. I went back and I watched it a bunch of times. Uh, the extra attacker goal. I mean, you can't really fault anybody on it. Uh, you know, the bad goal was that McCarr made a mistake, and uh, sixteen seconds later they put the puck in the net, and. It, 
Nashville's not playing very well, but you know what? Minnesota wasn't playing very well, and Minnesota played a hell of a game, I thought, the other night, especially in the second period. The Avalanche ended up beating them in one of the few one-goal games uh, they played uh, this year. And I like their upcoming schedule, but I want to hit you with this. There is one team and one team only in the NHL that's lost fewer games than the Colorado Avalanche. One team and one team only and that's the New York Rangers. Mm -hmm. There isn't another team, not the Bruins, not Vegas, not even the Kings, who since opening night being thrashed by the Avalanche in Los Angeles have lost, count them, two games in regulation. Yep. But they've lost overtime games this year. Only the Rangers, with three regulation losses and one in overtime slash shootout, have lost fewer games. The Colorado Avalanche. So if you don't like the way the first quarter of the season has gone, I'm sorry you're spoiled. Yeah. You need to be you're realistic spoiled. about it. There's one team in the league playing better than the Avalanche, and that's the New York Rangers. That's it. That's the list yeah. of teams. And they're playing. only three points behind them when you're talking about it. And and they're well, two yeah. points behind Vegas and for listen, the top spot in listen, the West. They, they've, got, they've got a game in hand on Vegas. They're two games behind them. Vegas isn't playing well. The other thing and I love Ve- about the Ve- Vegas, Vegas, I, I know they beat the Avalanche seven to nothing head to head, but they got off to a blazing start. Sure. Remember, they mm-hmm. didn't lose their first game until what ten? They started games their in? Ten, uh, yeah, something like that. And since and then they've been, so since then they've been very mediocre. Right? They've been getting they're having trouble scoring. Uh, bad teams are beating them, or average teams are beating them, and uh, really the. <laughs> The NHL has right now, I would say, one terrible team, and who knows what the hell's going on in Edmonton. Yeah, right. But even Edmonton has shown some signs lately of regaining form. But you're right. Vegas you got one bad abs. team. That's San Jose. There isn't any other team that doesn't have at least 12 points. And Chicago's not very good, but they've won six. But Vegas is 3-5-1 and one with an overtime yeah. loss since beating yeah. the Avs. Since beating the Avs. So I, yeah. there's nobody in the West who worries me. The Kings are playing the best hockey right now, but the Avalanche beat them on opening, and they'll have to do the it. Kings, they'll by try the way, to do it again. Uh, on Sunday, the only other team with six losses. Now the Kings have three in regulation and three in, in, in overtime. overtime. But, not, but the only team in the West that has six—that's uh, it. The Avs and then and the Kings are the only ones. And Dallas is starting to slump. Winnipeg was hot, but uh, they 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 should be in first place right now. They they've been the hot team for the longest in the division. But you know, it's it's interesting. Uh, Dallas has a game in hand on the Avalanche in Winnipeg. Avalanche in first with 28, Dallas with 26, Winnipeg with 26. And it's really a three-team race in the West. And, you know, the top three teams qualify automatically for the playoffs regardless of records. So the Avalanche are in good shape. Uh, they're playing well. And uh, for the most part, they're healthy. And when Lekkanen comes back, and that's kind of a Jamal Murray kind of deal, they're going to be very, very careful with Lackanen. Right. They're going to be very careful bringing him back. 
Actually, think how about good how, they'll be. Think about how Lekinen well they've been playing, back. and Lekkonen is good a guy there is on their roster that's not Lekkonen is, is, is solid Rantanen. and dependable players they have, as good a defensive forward as they have, and they're on this winning streak, and they won six but in out the meantime, of seven. Some of these him. minutes end up with a guy like Drouin, who gets a chance to play more, and it's starting to click for him. So I mean, it's now great. all of a sudden, this is you a know, team that a has a lot of depth. A bit of a blessing too. in disguise, as long as Lekkonen is right for the playoffs. Uh, let him take his time uh, coming back from, you know, an injury that seems fairly yeah. serious. And, and before it, we step aside there, a little shout-out, by the way, to, to Ivan Prospetov, who, he is, who was sensational the other looks night. like, and I get it, it's I get it, I understand it's early in the season and he's he's only played two three games and he's won two well, of them. At he, the, yeah, at he, the play, same he played time, okay in the win, badly in the loss, and then he was sensational. But you are looking night. for a guy that that you can kind of earmark and say this seems like your legitimate longer term backup. And here he is in five games in which he's gotten into. He's two and one with a two point three five goals against a save percentage of nine nineteen, which is better than Georgiev right now. And, and remember, he's, well, they're both over nine hundred now, and, which and they weren't before. They Postmatov were both below. Doesn't even turn twenty five until March. So I mean, I I think they're in good shape, and and that was that's been a concern for a while. Trying to find something, knowing that that Francois's injuries history have caught up, but it does feel like in Prosvetov, maybe they found a solution. And if they have the opportunity to really go with two goaltenders here and there when Georgiev needs a break, that's going to help the Avs. Quick shout out for DU: five nothing and nine nothing wins over the weekend against Yale. Yale is not a particularly strong team. I get that, but um, the Pioneers. Brought in a goaltender last week who will be enrolling and beginning his freshman season. Um, and it was nice to see uh, uh, the freshman who has been playing, uh, Freddie Halleck, get two shutouts this weekend and boost up his save percentage a little bit and probably boost up his confidence. The current pairwise right. rankings have uh, the DU Pioneers fourth in the country in between Boston and Maine and just behind Boston College, of course, leading. Uh, in that ranking. And do you beat Boston College at Boston yeah. College? In other words, they're squarely in the title mix as, it, as we get going. So, And uh, uh, they are as fun a team to watch as we have in this city right now in any sport. They can score. I've always had you. They can go score goals. It's a blast. Absolutely worth going anytime you can get it. Well, uh, we will take a look at, well, uh, let's put it this way. We're going to take a look at some football before we go because there's a lot going on with the, the local college scenes as well. A couple of the programs end up wrapping up their seasons. Yep. And a little shout out to the Hoopsters in the college ranks, oh. too, of which uh, a notable, notable stat for you coming up. For one of the colleges in, in looky, this Lucky, lucky, who is ranked 20th in the country uh-huh. in college basketball and this week on a men's even side. more than that. We'll talk about it on My Life Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. You give me something I can hold on to. 
couple of notes, of course, over the weekend. The University of Colorado Buffaloes lose their final game of the year in Utah, minus Shadur Sanders. Travis Hunter did play and Ooh, get a touchdown. Apparently has a, a fracture in his back. So Ugh. it isn't just soreness or uh, no reason. To, quite frankly, no reason to play him anyway once the bowl eligibility went but by the way. He got a fracture in your he back. He was about to set the record for the most sacks and a yeah. Division One year yeah. ever. But CU gives him actually a pretty good fight. Uh, Utah ends up winning a 23-17, yeah, but it was okay. a pretty good game. Uh, I think a Utah's third-string quarterback was playing. Uh, correct, but of course, you know, the Buffs were missing theirs as well. Six consecutive losses to finish the season. Uh, not the way they wanted to end it, but in the end, also looking at the excitement brought to Boulder and, and the idea that uh, from one win to four wins is not insignificant. Uh, brighter days are, are probably coming. We'll talk about them uh, more in the coming weeks. Maybe, maybe Sandy's maybe not. not quite so uh, sure. They seem to be on a uh, streak that you don't want to be on. And we will talk about Losing that. Losing a recruit on uh, a daily basis, or at least on back-to-back days. Losing two quarterbacks. Uh, one for next year is a three-star, but the other ain't a three-star. Right. He's the quarterback for 25, who is now... Uh, decommitted. Now, I, I understand that means that he could basically still, still take another offer. You're, you're listening. And yeah. I didn't think Deion Sanders was at his best last week when he suggested, how dare they make a commitment and renege? They aren't even loyal to their girlfriends. Went on a whole rant about it. And come on now. These aren't binding you're, you're contracts. You're king of the transfer portal, too. Yeah, and you're also taking players from other schools. Stop it. They were already committed Stop to that it. school. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have, they, they don't, don't I wouldn't have gone that way either. But for right now, only eight commitments for 2024. That's it. Now, two or three look okay. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll be in a different conference next year. Um. Maybe not as good as the Pac-12 was this year. We'll see, because Oklahoma and Texas, remember, are leaving the Big 12. Correct. So maybe they get a scheduling break of sorts, and Shadur Sanders is obviously coming back, and they'll have Travis Hunter next year, and they got a two-way recruit uh, in the Mikkel kid, uh, who's a wide receiver defensive back, much like Travis Hunter. I don't think he's as good. But, uh, you know, on the 2024 ESPN 300 list, uh, he's ranked in the top one. Early transfer portal also opens on the 4th of December. So not far away as well. Boy, yeah, you're kidding. Now, uh, the Rams were just missed uh, on a a last second field goal uh, for Hawaii. They go ahead and topple them. They keep the bus from, uh, pardon me, the, the Rams from getting bowl eligible. But again, a, a five and seven, literally just a couple plays away over the course of the season, a couple plays away. Oh, they could they, have, and maybe should have beaten they the Buffalo. Should have beaten Colorado. And they had an 11 point lead in the fourth. Then bowl. they're a bowl team. Now the the drawback of course is that uh, they're, you won't be getting another year of eligibility for Tory Horton. They're a no, fantastic wide receiver. They'll miss him. You're going to see him on Sundays. Talk about yeah. consistency. How about this, Sandy? In his junior year, 1,131 oh, yards and eight touchdowns. Different quarterback his senior year, 1,136 yeah. and eight touchdowns. He got better. I mean, uh, you're talking about a, a guy that, that's phenomenal, but the other difference yeah. is 
the quarterback in Braden Fowler and Nicolosi. They have a quarterback. It's an air raid offense. There's a lot of things going on. he's an air raid quarterback. Yeah, a lot of things to like about where the Rams are headed as well. Air Force will make a bowl, although the the injury to their quarterback has made yeah, things Yeah, um, well, that's made things hard. Yeah, it's made things sure. hard, and they've, they've struggled uh, without Larry. And it's, uh, I mean, I don't know if he'll be available for the bowl game or not. Um, uh, and they're in my, trouble my if he's thinking, not. But my thinking is he will be back next year, and they will be very good next year. Yeah, but eight no start, finish with a four game losing streak. That uh, that certainly stings and takes a little bit of the luster off the season. But basketball not season a nice is, year. Uh, Wyoming not a nice year. Eight they have four. they have uh, basketball worth noting by the yes. way. And before we get to the big a special shout out now, Sandy hinted at it. The number twenty team in the country in men's basketball is the Colorado State Rams. However. I'm going to give you eight schools, Sandy, eight schools. Tell me you can find out common denominator. One is Colorado State. The other, Baylor, Yale, the University of Houston, the University of Miami, Mississippi State, South Carolina, and TCU. Those are the only eight schools in the nation in which both their men's and women's teams are are unbeaten. Unbeaten. Only right, but unbeaten. That's it. And Colorado State, Excellent. part of that as well. Uh, the women yeah, haven't quite cracked into the, the ranking yet, but they did yeah. get the also uh, the, the famous also receiving votes. Yeah. But the, the Rams with those schools, and I mean, I get it, you know, yeah, and, a bit and, enough, but and, Houston, Baylor, and CU women Miami. are still ranked yep. uh, in uh, the top yeah. 10. They're believe, tied for seven with a one loss. Fact. Yes. And uh, the CU men lost one game and they're the also just receiving outside votes. outside the top 20. And that may solve itself as soon as Wednesday. Time. Uh, When's the last time this game had import on the basketball court like it's going to on Wednesday? Oh, in the Rockies. In Fort Collins, the 20 in ranked the Colorado State Rams will be hosting the Colorado Buffaloes, who were ranked until they fell off with their loss to Florida State. 5 and 1 for the Buffs, 6 and 0 for the Rams. A nationally televised a basketball game between the two at Mobile. Rams beat Creighton the other day. When's the Eighth la- ranked Creighton. When's the last time this happened? And killed him. Oh, they crushed him. Just like they crushed did Creighton last time when they had David Roddy. But they didn't yeah. have David Roddy this time. No, and they still no, no, David Roddy. Up. But they have some guys who look like David Roddy. Nico they, Medved. They, Nico you knows how to get about these this six, for a few four, years. six, five yeah. guys who go 250. And, they're, and they, they, they slip have a lot of dexterity the in the game. And they slip through the cracks because people look at the body type and say, why would I want a guy 6'5"? If David Roddy would have been 6'7 or 6'8", he would have been a lottery pick. But no he doubt. wasn't. He no was 6'4". No doubt. But he's got a sense of the game, and so do some of the guys they have up there now. And the you know, the guard, Stevens. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Isaiah he's, Stevens he's is a stud. Yeah, the, the, this is going to be a phenomenal. I, I, I'm just excited to have CSU's this game. CSU's got some size. Matter. CU has some size. Mm-hmm. So it, this this will be this will be an excellent game. And what a year for Colorado sports. Oh, I mean, I mean, CU, wow. CSU football teams are both on the upswing. Uh, basketball teams on the upswing, men and women. I mean, it's uh, attention being paid back here to yeah, a level that hasn't I, been and, before. And, and I will give uh, Deion Sanders credit because I think he's brought attention to more than just his own football program. I agree. Uh, I, I don't know that that was necessarily his intent, but uh, yeah. that's been the effect. And I, I think now when you see their substance on a basketball court in Boulder, and in Fort Collins, both for men and women in Boulder and in Fort, yeah, Collins. Fort Collins. Right, this is a hell of a basketball year uh, shaping up right now uh, in this state, in this region. It really is, and it's it's very exciting. Um, 
And, you know, CU's got a five-star freshman uh, who is getting better and oh. better every game. Every game. And, uh, you know, if if they play Florida State again somehow in the tournament, let's say, yeah, they'll be a very different team because uh, this kid Williams is is going to be a player. And they're, they're a good rebounding team. Uh, they lost an overtime to Florida State on a neutral court. It was actually more of a Florida State court Agreed. than a Colorado court. And uh, otherwise, they've been terrific. And CSU, 6-0 and with a win over a top-10 team for the first time in ages. I mean, you almost have to go back to the 50s or 60s to find a CSU team that beat a top-10 team. It's It's been a while, and uh, th- this is a great time to be, uh, obviously, we're talking about so many good things happening. If we just turn <laughs> to you, hockey's in the top five, you know, yeah. ranked teams oh, all, all over the, the place in basketball. All winter I mean, it's sports. it's been yeah. tremendous, and he, on top of that, here come the Denver Broncos, the hottest oh, team yeah. in the AFC with five consecutive wins, and with the opportunity to go to Houston, and with a win there, you could argue the Denver Broncos would control their destiny. Well, you can not only argue it, they almost certainly would. <laughs> it would be true. Only now, uh, you know, I are are they going to finish the season on an eleven game no, winning streak? Of course not. Probably not. Uh, but you know, we were talking about this last week. The one game they can afford to lose is the Detroit game yep. because that's not it's not affecting tiebreakers, right? Doesn't it's make a difference. Game, and if they can win, maybe. Three out of the other five, mm-hmm. four out of the now, other five. Now we're talking four out of the other five. They got a shot. Four out of the other five. You got four a ten win team. You got ten win team and ten and seven teams, as uh, uh, we mentioned earlier. They make the playoffs. Tend to make the playoffs. Yeah, sixty something percent when it's nine. Schedule five and three. Five and three is the record at nine and eight. Right. Ten and seven. It's seven and one. Yeah. You, Only one ten and seven team has missed the playoffs. Well, and I would argue if the Broncos went 10-7 and and missed the playoffs, I think fans would still probably be able to live with it based on what's been going over the last many years. It's been a lot of fun talking with you this year about this uh, today. Great week in Colorado sports coming up. Of course, the Avs and Nuggets going tonight, or at least some of the Nuggets going tonight, uh, resting. Nikola Jokic, (laughs) uh, Jamal Murray, and Aaron Gordon are out. So feel free to pay attention to the Avs tonight if you'd like Avs lightning uh, on the ball arena ice. We'll talk about all of it tomorrow like you do every team every day. Thanks to Cody Rourke for joining us from Miley Sports. Follow him at Cody Rourke NFL. Danny Bailey's the man in the booth that makes literally everything work. So always appreciate Danny and everything he does to make sure this show sounds what it sounds like. Thanks to you for listening, whether it's on the FM dial, HD, whether you've gone to MyLifeSports.com or you made it easy on yourself and just got the app where you can get this and everything else. We appreciate each and every one of you. For Sandy Clough, I'm Sean Drotar. We'll be back tomorrow, but you can stay right here on My Life Sports.